thank you, choir and life song for singing of the new creation and the worthiness of Jesus to bring it about. And so we will look as our main passage for the morning of an Old Testament perspective and vision of new creation. And we will trace that vision through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and to the coming again of Jesus to fully establish the new creation. Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. The Lord says, For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating, for I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Let us pray. Oh God, for the vision of new creation that you gave through Isaiah, we are grateful for the worthiness of Jesus to bring about new creation among us through his life, death, and resurrection, we are grateful. And for the fullness of creation, new creation that will be revealed at Christ's second advent, we give you thanks. Now, as we explore this great good news, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit that we may live in and for your new creation to give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, in the normal use of a car, especially on the interstate, uh, the windshields get dirty. And especially on the interstate, in order to help motorists to clean and clear their windshields at most service stations, there are these buckets, right? Buckets filled with cleaning liquid and then a tool inside those buckets. I don't know what they're called. I always call them squeegees. Maybe there's another word. I'll use squeegee. Um, and so you, on the squeegee, there's the foamy side the, the, that soaks up, uh, the spongy side, I mean, that soaks up the cleaning liquid. And you, you, you move the cleaning liquid with the squeegee across your windshield. And, you know, you, you, depending on how many bird droppings are, you have to use a little muscle to, to get it done. And then on the other side, there is a rubber blade. And when you've washed the windshield with the spongy side and the liquid is all over it, you turn around the instrument and you use the blade to, to wipe the liquid off. 
Am I the only one that does this, or do you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. All right. So here's my experience with this uh, interstate ritual. Uh, my windshield is always dirtier after I've washed it. And here's why. Here's why. At least in how I have dried off the windshield in 38 years or so as a driver, I've never been able to pull the rubber blade across the front windshield without creating long streaks of the dried liquid. You know what I'm talking about? You, you dry it off and then you've got a streak all the way across and all the way across from the edge of the blade. And here's what happens to me. When I get in the car and I start driving again, I can't take my eyes off those streaks. I want to see above them. I want to see below them. I want to see through them, but they make me mad. And I am focused on them and not focused on the task at hand. I had an experience last week that brought new joy to my life. I noticed that David Niday was was washing the windows of our bus in a new way. And I said, David, what are you doing? And he said, let me show you. I had always moved the blade straight across the windshield, creating those long streaks. Dave, where is David? David, where are you? David, thank you, thank you. David showed me how to start at the bottom and, and move it up in a circular motion to to wipe off the liquid, the soap on the windshield. We were on the interstate over this weekend. I, I stopped to get gas and with Phil, remembered David's brilliance, tried this technique. There were no streaks on my windshield afterwards. Thank you again. <laughs> Following the service, David will be out in the parking lot to give tutorials for anyone who wants this new experience of a streak-free windshield. The Israelites come home after exile and there's streaks all across the windshield. They'd been in Babylon for a generation. God sets them free as the Persian Empire conquers the Babylonian Empire. Isaiah talks about this in the 40s, chapters in the 40s. And, and King Cyrus of Persia allows them to come home. But when they come home, things are still in bad shape. Jerusalem's destroyed, the temple's destroyed. All they see is destruction. All they see is the work ahead. All they see are the streaks across their view as they look to the future. And they can't see above the streaks. They can't see below the streaks. They can't look past the streaks. They can only concentrate and focus on the streaks, all the things that are wrong, all the things that are not like they want it to be. And so amongst other things at the end of the book of Isaiah, in our passage today, God gives them a vision, a dream, streak-free, through which they can look into the future and find encouragement and hope 
and what they need to live obediently in the midst of a world that is not yet what it should be, not yet what it will be. And so the Lord says at the beginning of the passage, I am creating a new heavens and a new earth. And Jerusalem will be a joy and its peoples will be a delight. All they see in Jerusalem are destruction, devastation. The Lord says, something new is coming. And, and you Israelites are depressed and down. You will be my delight one day in a new way, the Lord says. And in this vision that Isaiah gives in verse 20, Infants will no longer die. It will not be the norm for children to die at a young age, but everyone will live to an old age. And 21, 22, and 23 speaks of the ability to, to build a house and to live in it and not have anyone take it away from you like the Babylonians did. And to plant your vineyard and to eat your fruit and not have that taken away from you like the Babylonians took it away. There's even in this vision, this sense of creation being at peace, wolf and lamb feeding together, verse 25. But, but in the center of the vision, verse 24, is this incredible closeness to God. The people will walk so closely with God that verse 24 says, the Lord says in verse 24, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear that close that close of a relationship with God, the Lord says, it's coming, I'm gonna make this happen. There is this new vision as you see through that windshield into the future, wait for it, live for it, trust in it, the Lord says to the people of Israel. Well, those streaks remain for another 500 years or so. Life was still hard, even though the temple was rebuilt. Life was still hard, e even though they were back home. Uh, they traded one empire, conquering them after another. By the time of Jesus, it was the Roman Empire that was in control of Israel. And we see that throughout the Gospels, especially at the crucifixion of Christ. Those streaks remain. But in a way that the Israelites were not expecting, in a way in reading in this passage we might not expect, God fulfills these words in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so the passage in Isaiah 65 talks about new creation. And through Jesus Christ, God brings the new creation into this present creation. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come, everything is new. In Galatians chapter 6, he says, 6.15, he says, new creation, Paul says, new creation is everything. Jesus has established the new creation. Doesn't look exactly like it said in Isaiah 65, but it's a fulfillment. And then, of course, we remember Jesus being raised from the dead. Remember when Mary sees Jesus, the risen Lord, but she doesn't recognize him yet? And the text says that she supposes him to be the gardener. Jesus was buried in a garden. Jesus was raised in a garden. Genesis, Genesis 2, creation begins in a garden. New creation in the gospels begins in a garden as God raises Jesus from the dead. Through Jesus Christ, new creation is burst into the world through his resurrection and through the Holy Spirit, leading us to experience and live into the new 
creation. But even before Jesus established his new creation through his resurrection, he's already given us a picture, a glimpse of new creation as he brings the kingdom of God to earth in his life, in his ministry. Isaiah 65 speaks about long life for children. Remember Jesus and Jairus' daughter. Jairus comes to Jesus and his daughter is sick and Jesus uh, takes him a while to get to where his daughter is. And when they get there, they've already had word that she has died. And Jesus says, don't be alarmed. She's only sleeping. He, he has her to get up. Jesus is fulfilling the vision of Isaiah of long life as he raises this girl and as he does so many other miracles. Verses 21 through 23 speak of economic security. They speak of always having homes that are ours and no one taking them away from us and of planting vineyards and enjoying the fruit of those vineyards. And Jesus speaks of this as well, uh, perhaps not in the way that the people who first heard Isaiah 65 thought it, but he fulfills these words regardless. Mark 10, 29 and 30, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus brings all kinds of security in this Life. He fulfills Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65 speaks about the wolf and the lamb together at peace. We don't have record in the Gospels of Jesus bringing a wolf and lamb together in peace, but we do have a beautiful record in the Gospel of Jesus when he's asleep on the boat and the storm comes and it's threatening to sink the boat and the disciples wake him up. And Jesus says, peace be still. And the winds subside and the waters are calm. Jesus has authority over all of creation, and we can easily imagine him using that authority to bring wolf and lamb together, to bring them to peace. Jesus fulfills even that part of Isaiah 65. And then again, a central part of 65, chapter 65, verse 24, when you call, I'll hear you, I'll answer before you even speak, before you cry out, the Lord says, I'll hear it and I will answer it. Jesus in his death on the cross for our sins makes a way for our sins to be forgiven, to restore our relationship with God so that we have fellowship with God so that verse 24 comes true before a cry is on our lips, before a cry is even in our hearts, the Lord has heard. And the Lord has answered. Jesus fulfills in so many beautiful ways the prophetic words of Isaiah 65, which speak of the new creation. And yet, and yet, there are still streaks across the windshield. There are still streaks across the windshield in your life and mine. There's still streaks across the windshield of this world in which we live. New creation is here, established by Jesus in his resurrection, still growing through the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's not fully established. We don't fully experience it yet. But one day we will, as Jesus returns to fully establish the kingdom of God. Hear the words of Revelation 21, which speak of the new creation. Those in Christ will live forever and all of creation will be healed, Revelation 21, three through five. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's what life song in the choir, it's what you were singing about. It's what, it's what we were talking about in, in everything that we've done today. It's what we're talking about in the hymns that we've sung in the middle some, uh, hymn from Kimbra. It, our, our music is filled with the vision, the dream of new creation that we see in Isaiah 65 that Jesus fulfills in his life, death, and resurrection and that Revelation 21 speaks of its coming in fullness. In the midst of the streaks in your world, in the midst of the streaks in, in my world, in our world, in the world around us, we have hope that new creation is here and one day it will be fully established. And so until that day, looking back to Isaiah 65, inspired by its vision, looking back to what Jesus has done in bringing the new creation into the world, living by the Spirit, we look forward, we look toward, toward we work toward that day when new creation will be everything. When we help others come to know Jesus. When we live out the prayer that Paul calls us to pray in Colossians chapter 4, verses uh, 3 and 4, where he says, pray that God will open a door for us to share the mystery of Christ. Wednesday night, we, we offered a challenge. Are you willing? Will you embrace the call to pray that prayer? That, that you would pray each day that God would open up a door for you to share the love of Jesus Christ with someone who, who does not know the love of Christ, or perhaps someone who knows Jesus but's not a part of a fellowship, maybe part of our fellowship, but's not here very much. Will we pray that God will open that door? Notice that Paul doesn't say, pray that God will beat down a door. Here's not a technique that you can manipulate the door to open. This is God's work to open these doors for us to share. If we have this sense of hope of new creation, then we also are inspired and encouraged by those other parts of the gospel that call us to pray for those open doors, to invite people to follow Jesus with us so that they too can experience the truth of verse 24. Before they call, the Lord says, I will answer while they are yet speaking, I will hear. How will people know this truth? How will people experience this truth if we do not invite them, if we do not share with them the good news that the kingdom of God, the new creation is here through Jesus, come and repent and join us as we follow him together. If we believe in new creation from Isaiah and Jesus in Revelation 21, we will invite people to follow Jesus with us. We will also seek by the Holy Spirit to work hard to make some of these aspects of Isaiah 65 come to life now. Like Metanoia in Charleston, we will care for the children. We will seek to bring them up in the ways of the Lord to equip them for success in life like Isaiah 65, which speaks of economic security, which speaks of job security, we will seek as we are able to provide jobs, to, to work to help people care for themselves, to help people with housing as Metanoia does in Charleston. And through Jesus Christ, we will help everyone among us battle with the addictions that we all face, for all of us struggle with some kind of addiction or another. 
for some of us, those addictions are more damaging, but, but all of us are in that boat. And if we have a vision of the new creation and of the Spirit of God working through us to bring about new creation, we will work together to help people become all that God has made them to be. And we will work together to, to bring about peace wherever we are, to bring about the kingdom wherever we are, to live lives in such a way that the new creation is seen in us. I wasn't expecting this yesterday, but, but yesterday I was given a phrase that I think might change the way I think about gratitude in the same way that Ann shared about our experience last week at offering time. That might change the way we think about offering. And I think this phrase that I was given, that Davis and I were given, might help us get a handle on living out this new creation call during the Thanksgiving season and always. We were at Wofford College. Davis was down there for a scholarship interview. There were 150 uh, prospective students and their parents. And uh, we started out in the basketball arena, all of us there. And the, the director of the scholarship program spoke and her remarks were wonderful. And the president of the college spoke and his remarks were right on, right on time, right on target. But the speaker that impressed me most was the vice president uh, of the student body. She was humble. You could tell that she worked hard. You could tell that she, she valued, she treasured the opportunity for an education that she had been given. And in part of her remarks, she said these words, that she is relentlessly thankful for her educational experience. I've never heard those two words put together. Relentlessly thankful. Relentless, she's intentional about being thankful. Relentless, she knows how blessed she is and she doesn't wanna take, take it for granted. Relentless, she's gonna make sure that she doesn't stop giving thanks for what she has received. And I wonder what it would look like for each of us if we were relentlessly thankful in our lives. If you look at Isaiah 65 and all of the security, the, the economic and the health security that's envisioned in that, for those of us who experience economic security and who experience good health, are we relentlessly thankful for that? Because it is not a guarantee and not everyone experiences that. If we think of Isaiah 65 verse, verse 24, pointing us to Jesus, to make a way for God to hear our cries and to answer them before we even speak them? Are we relentlessly thankful that Jesus loves us and he died for us and God raised him from the dead for us so that we might live? Are we relentlessly thankful enough for the gift of salvation that we invite others to join us in following him? And are we relentlessly thankful enough for for this vision of what God will do in our lives that in the midst of the, of the streaks across our windshields, and there are streaks across your windshield right now, in the midst of the struggles, when it's hard to be thankful, are we so relentless with thanksgiving that we will let nothing get in the way of our offering gratitude to God? And are we so relentlessly thankful 
for God's blessings, that we not only give of our tithes and our offerings to the work of the Lord and give of our talents and our gifts, but are we relentlessly thankful enough for our blessings that we notice enough the streaks across the windshields of those around us and the streaks across the windshields of this world? So relentlessly thankful that we will do whatever is in our power through the Holy Spirit to bless the person who is struggling, to walk with the person who is lonely, to do the work of God in and through this place as God gives us ability. What are the streaks across your windshield today? Jesus will wipe them clean. What are the streaks across the windshields around us? Jesus will use us to make them clean. Are we thankful enough, relentlessly thankful, to trust Jesus as he works in and through us to the glory of God and all of God's people said, Jesus makes promises. God makes promises. Isaiah 65 is filled with promises. The life of Jesus is filled with promises. Revelation 21 is a promise. And so we stand on the promises. Hymn number 410, we stand on the promises. That's how we live. And if we stand on the promises, God will use us to do great things for the kingdom in the world. Hear the good news, sisters and brothers. Jesus died for you so that God will answer your every cry before you even think it. If you have not given your life to Jesus, this wonderful Savior who loves you with a love beyond what you can imagine, as we sing, I invite you to come and speak with me right here and I'll talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. If you're not a part of a church home, come and join us as we seek to be relentlessly thankful in this place so that God's work can be done in and through us. Would you stand as we sing together? Thank you.